startups begin in communities across the country. Why does Silicon Valley get so much credit? My name is Nick Castor. And I'm Caitlin Clays. We're interviewing the people building startup communities across America. But in the areas no one is talking about, the middle. This is the Ecosystem Builder Podcast by Mug.News. This is the Ecosystem Builder Podcast. Ecosystem building is the subset of economic development that focuses on fostering entrepreneurial activity within a community. Today's guest is Greg Tavine, who is based in Fargo, North Dakota. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Ah, it's an honor. Thanks for having me. It looks like you're having a beautiful day outside. I'd love to be on a patio myself. (laughs) Ah, typical day in North Dakota, 365 days of sunshine, pure beauty. Amazing. Yeah, I heard that the snow no, and the winter is just like completely mild. You barely yeah, have one, right? Just, it's just marketing. It's just marketing. <laughs> Great. Well, you know, jumping right into my first question for you is how did you first become involved with your startup community? You know, I, I got involved accidentally. It was about 10 years ago, uh, not quite 10 years ago, where I just got done traveling overseas. And I ended up getting a unique opportunity uh, before going to grad school to work for a very prominent entrepreneur in our region. He, his name's Doug Burgum. He built Great Plains Software, which had a really big outcome. And I was working for him and I watched an ecosystem uh, revolve around him, originally from a small town in North Dakota. Uh, he went to university here in the state, went to grad school in California, and then he built a really world-class tech company. And I watched this ecosystem around him from interesting artists and creatives to technologists, and I wanted to create something similar. Uh, I grew up in the area and had not heard about the prominent entrepreneurs in our community, the folks that built Bobcat uh, or other game-changing organizations. And so I wanted to help raise the profile of these folks. Uh, So a group of us got together to create an online content blog inspired by the work of Silicon Prairie News, Dusty and Jeff out of... um, think Omaha. And we want to do something similar, helping tell the stories of entrepreneurs in our region. So it sounds like you're already super involved and from the get-go. And coming to be on the podcast, we found that a lot of people stumble into entrepreneurship. It's not like they necessarily went into university to start it. So it's really cool to get to see a trend and uh, how community-based it usually is working in entrepreneurship. So um, speaking of community and uh, connecting with people, what is one thing people would not know about your ecosystem in Fargo? I think part of the ecosystem that's challenging in North Dakota is access to capital. So if you look in the community, there's not a lot of organized capital. However, there is a tremendous amount of financial resource in, in the upper Midwest, specifically in Fargo. And we have a unique culture. So um, very influenced by Scandinavia, a modest culture. Uh, it's very rare for folks that are angel investors to say they've been active investing in a deal. It's almost culturally not accepted to promote what you've done. And so from the outside looking in, it's perceived as not a lot of capital in the community. However, there's a tremendous amount of capital. I'm having lunch tomorrow with a guy that um, he read an article about a local entrepreneur. And he got excited about what they were doing. He was an NDSU student. And through that company's journey, he's invested along the way. Uh, well, just a few weeks ago, that company sold for $9.6 billion. 
Um, however, very few people would know that this person was an investor uh, because he's not promoting that. So I think one of the things that most people don't understand about Fargo, North Dakota, and I'd imagine it's pretty common across the upper Midwest, is we don't broadcast our engagement. We don't broadcast what everybody has done, which from the outside can be tricky. However, the positive side of that is folks are really humble and they're accessible and they want to be build relationships for who they are um, versus what they've contributed to society. Definitely that Midwest nice is totally coming into play in my head a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And we don't know how to tell our own stories. I think one of the great challenges of our community is that um, we don't know how to tell our story. We're not an overshare culture. We're not broadcasting our results. Um, which has limited us. So then um, kind of like in your personal opinion, what do you think would be a way to combat that? So to kind of reframe the mental structure of you're not bragging about yourself, you're informing others about your involvement. What what do you think yeah. I mean, that I would think help? That's part of why Emerging Prairie exists, to help tell the stories of entrepreneurs. And then when folks come and speak, we ask them to be transparent, use real numbers. I think there's a challenge with false humility where people say, oh, I'm just a small potato farmer. And it's like, well, actually, your organization's the world's largest potato farmer. And I think you have to kind of call out false humility. And we also have to just encourage folks to be direct. It's OK to be successful. It's OK to fail. And the reality is transparency helps us all get better. So those are some very good words of wisdom. So do uh, what what is a way that you support your community? Is it um, through like coaching? Uh, what's one of the ways that you're really happy to help? Well, I think for me personally, my favorite tool in the toolkit is connecting. So just today, one of the founders in our community is the founder of National Day Calendar. And a large organization wants to do a National Tractor Day. And so putting those folks together, I think the more we can do micro connections, the better. Uh, if you look at the history of South by Southwest, I'm pretty sure the founders wanted to make Austin, Texas, the most connected city in the world. And I'm really inspired by that. And so I think one of the things that Emerging Prairie does is we believe in connecting and celebrating the ecosystem. So the more that we can make meaningful introductions that are both positive or both positive on both sides, uh, we think good things can happen. Uh, we have no desire to have a transaction in the middle, to be somehow connected to the middle of that activity. We just try to share our friends generously. Uh, a fun fact, back when I was in high school, we actually had tractor day. And so all the kids would actually drive their tractors to school if their parents allowed them to. And if they had their farming license, it was very specific. But uh, we would park in the tennis courts. So that was a, that's a very good highlight memory <laughs> to vote. Um, and it's interesting that you should mention Austin, Texas, because myself and another team member on Mug.News is based in Austin. While I am traveling right now, that's typically my home base. So uh, it is cool to hear another voice talking about how Austin is also building, working on being the most communicative and working on that. So then if someone were considering moving to your community and starting a business, what are, are they eligible for any local grants? Uh, you'd mentioned capital earlier, but uh, what are some other grants? Yeah, the state of North Dakota is really interesting. They've, they've created a program called Innovate ND that has four states. Stages, um, that has grant access uh, for kind of mid to later stage organizations that have a meaningful presence in North Dakota. They have access to the LIFT program, which cannot be up to $2.5 million of um, uh, debt financing that has very generous terms for entrepreneurs. And then in the last legislative cycle, uh, the state of North Dakota passed House Bill 1425, 
which allocates 3% of our legacy fund. So this is a fund created through oil and gas tax revenue uh, that now has $8 billion in that fund. So 3% of that will be invested in early stage um, uh, equity opportunities for companies. And so they've hired 50 South Capital out of Chicago um, to deploy that capital. So there's a continuum of opportunity for entrepreneurs considering North Dakota as a home or to have a meaningful presence from early stage grants to later stage capital. Uh, the state has invested heavily as well as the local markets and the individual investors. So then um, if someone again wanted to move to your community, what should they do first in your opinion? What would, what would be the first step to get their business rolling? Um, well, I always uh, think about what type of business it is first. So if it's a local business, I think we can all take a page out of the Peace Corps by coming to the community and listening, watching, observing. For Peace Corps volunteers, they often listen for up to six months and they're just getting the building relationships, listening. However, if somebody's building kind of a, gro a growth oriented business, a national problem uh, that they're trying to solve, I think the first thing to do is call John Mahachek at the Greater Fargo-Moorhead EDC. Uh, he's, a, he's an alumni of your show. And he's a great navigator. I would advocate to get connected to the community, showing up at events, uh, emerging prairie host events. There's a series of other events that are available. Uh, but I think engagement. Our organization has a thought that entrepreneurs need three things. They need access to each other. They need platforms to share their work. And they need customers. We're really good at the first two, connecting entrepreneurs to each other and creating platforms for others. Uh, so that's where we can contribute. Uh, but I think the big part of it is showing up. I would highly recommend anybody coming to the Red River Market. It's our Saturday farmer's market with thousands upon thousands of people. A great way to meet local small businesses as well as uh, just community members at large. So you'd mentioned going to events and then connecting with people. What is one of the best ways people can find those events to attend? Where can they find those? Are there, are there postings? Where would you recommend taking yeah, a look? So, so John, John Mahachek uh, runs our local curated uh, um, weekly startup email list, Emerging Prairie. Our organization has an email list that goes out every single Monday morning for events and activities. Uh, those would be two great places to start that are easy to find. Uh, so, you know, COVID is beginning to open a couple things up that's slowing down a little bit and uh, in some places. Um, but my question for you is, are there any coffee shops that entrepreneurs go to hang out in in your area? Yeah, I would say almost all of them. Uh, downtown has a really robust scene. So we have a brand new hotel called the Jasper where entrepreneurs have found Young Blood Coffee is a world-class coffee shop, um, uh, which is a great place to get caffeinated. There's black coffee downtown, atomic coffee. We're pretty strong on coffee shop access in the downtown. Uh, the beauty of Fargo, my favorite thing is when someone comes to town, it's just to walk them around and introduce them to people. So just a little walking tour at lunch or in the morning when people are having coffee. And uh, one of the things that folks will find when they come to visit Fargo, and we hope you do, is just how outgoing and welcoming folks are. They want to get to know folks. They want to share friends. Uh, you know, we're, we're 50th out of 50 for tourism. So when folks come, we're excited. And uh, and so folks are generally really, really um, eager to share and connect. Absolutely. So another way that people can run into each other is co-working spaces. Do you have any recommendations of uh, co-working spaces in the area? Yeah, so there's two co-working opportunities that are formalized in, in Fargo. So there's the Prairie Den, which is on Broadway. Uh, so that's right in the heart of our city. And then in an emerging area, uh, neighborhood just west of downtown is there's Rail Yard. 
And it's right next to Drecker Brewhalla, which is this incredible brewery where you, you walk into this brewery and you feel like you're in a movie set. It's just gorgeous. It's stunning. And there's a co-working space right by it. Uh, so there's different, if you're somebody who likes to be in the heart of the city, the Prairie Den's probably really good for you. But if you'd like to be just a little bit off in an up and coming neighborhood, Rail Yard is centered right in where the energy is building for the creative community. Oh my gosh, fantastic. Great real estate <laughs> going back and forth. Uh, oh, that sounds so much fun. You are the first guest to mention like some sort of brewery. Uh, we've heard ones uh, other than a coffee shop. One was a gelato shop in, uh, where was it? Uh, St. Louis. So it's really cool to get to hear different communities options other than coffee. So very cool. Very cool. Um, so already you've mentioned a couple entrepreneurs and successful people that you've worked with. Um, so I wanted to ask then, is there any additional successful or notable startups uh, from your community? So one of the co-founders of Emerging Prairie is Jake Jornstead. And I met Jake when he was 22 years old. He, uh, he was raising his hand, asking my boss at the time, Doug Burgum, all these questions. And I got to know Jake, and I think he's got a unique story. He started in uh, solutions, so solving problems for folks that wanted to build mobile apps. Uh, then he got focused on agriculture, and now he has Bushel. So he's a young guy, 31 years old. He's got well over 200 employees. They are digitizing agriculture. And, and Jake is a former RA. He's a community builder, and he's a CEO. Uh, he's one of my best friends, and, and we love watching his success. I think there's organizations that are Super interesting, El Devron, which I mentioned earlier, was a medical DNA solution service company that sold for almost $10 billion. Uh, they were absolutely critical in the success of the vaccination rates in, in, the, in the world with the MRN, uh, mRNA, I think. I don't know. You can correct me on that. But there's other companies that are super interesting. BNG is growing really fast in town. Um, there's earlier stage companies like 701X, which is a livestock uh, technology company. Uh, there's Peter Schott with Genesis Feed Technology. There's a lot of digitization in agriculture. We've had some fun exits recently. Nick Horub at uh, Harvest Profit just sold to John Deere uh, as a smaller business. So there's definitely a percolation of earlier stage technology companies. Maybe not quite at the scale of so many other places, uh, but keep in mind, we're a community of 200,000 people and North Dakota is just under 800,000 total folks. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a smaller community, uh, but there's definitely a collaboration that, that is um, kind of an underbelly of all the activity. So with community building and you have 200,000 smaller community, um, how do you include diversity within your ecosystem? Well, I think uh, early in our journey, one of our founders was vegan. So right away, we always had vegan food at it. And it shifted our thinking of thinking about how do you design to be most accept accessible versus design for the majority and then ask the, the minority to adjust. So we've monitored our speaker selection. So we, we work really hard on gender balance on speaker selection. Uh, we, we do specific work in cohorts of entrepreneurs focused on underrepresented founders in our community. So we we're just finishing up a, um, a female founder program, a Native American founder program. We are currently recruiting for a black founder program. Um, and so we work really, really hard to reduce barriers and, and diversity is it's a it's a challenging topic as a white middle class Christian heterosexual male. 
um, I've got a lot of learning to do. And so we seek guidance from others. I was just meeting with um, an Indian American uh, executive in town talking about reducing barriers for the students in his schools. So there's the financial diversity opportunities, there's the race, there's the identity. Um, we are completely imperfect, uh, but we are working hard to, to reduce barriers for others to participate. And not just participate, but contribute in meaningful ways, giving them the microphone, giving them access to resources, working harder to find folks to, to contribute to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you all are working very hard with empowering people. And I think that's really cool to hear how Fargo is reaching those points. And I think it's also very humbling to hear that uh, you are saying that we have a work to do, um, but this is what these are the steps that we're taking to get to where we want to be. Uh, so are there any news outlets, podcasts, blogs that you recommend that people listen to about either Fargo or entrepreneurship? Where's your head at with that? I would say that's an opportunity for an entrepreneur to come into our community and solve it. Uh, Emerging Prairie originally started as a news content outlet and quickly we moved into events and bringing people together. Uh, I think it's an opportunity for an organization like yours or others to dive in and help tell the stories. Uh, in a weird time of news and media with paywalls, the, the newspapers moving from daily print to up to zero print, uh, it's an opportunity for someone to come in and get involved. So, well, before we finally close out, I wanted to ask you, what are some final thoughts that you have before we uh, part ways? Well, I love that you're raising the profile of ecosystem builders and, and just to any ecosystem builder out there that might be tuning in, I just want to continue to encourage you. Um, I've been at this for over 10 years. This is a lot of seed planting that takes a really, really long time. Uh, my point of view is some of the most valuable work we will ever do is under, will never be recognized, will never be noticed, but hopefully you just take some, um, some encouragement from the ability that you contributed. Uh, the other thing is just in North Dakota in general, uh, we're working on the Grand Farm Project, which is uh, trying to support advanced technology and agriculture. And as an ecosystem builder, there's been trends, right, from co-working spaces to certain events. We took an approach of asking our community, what's our major? What, what can we as a community do to improve the human condition? And we identified advanced technology and agriculture is our origin and our opportunity. So with the Grand Farm effort, we've been able to do a research and demonstration and collaborative environment. And we found a tremendous amount of a success, having a huge vision, getting 1% of the way done, telling the world about it and helping others um, build it. So I would encourage anybody listening to ask yourself, what's your community's major? What problem are you trying to solve? And what can you do to have a generational impact? Um, it's stimulated our organization. It's brought a lot of new partnerships and collaboration. And it's been a lot of fun. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your insight and uh, your energy talking about the show. It was really cool to get to hear your uh, input about Fargo. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. And I'm going to go connect with my co-host and talk about what we've, uh, what we've discussed. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for having me today. Now that we've learned about an ecosystem from a person who's building it, I'm going to link back up with Nick to clarify on some jargon and take a deeper dive into this ecosystem. 
Caitlin, how was the conversation with Greg? Greg was awesome to talk to. We started off the episode strong with a little bit of humor. Uh, so that was pretty funny talking about, uh, yes, Fargo, it's known for its mild winters and, you know, really. <laughs> so <laughs> he was really fun to talk to, very high energy. So uh, I've got a lot of takeaways. So it's cool to get started. Yes. Have you ever been to North Dakota? Um, I think I've driven through there. Uh, I was pretty young. So, I mean, I really didn't get the full Fargo experience, you know. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I never have, but I, I, it, it's a pretty unique place, you know, like people don't think to go there very often. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure it was fascinating um, talking to Greg and learning more. What, what were some of your biggest takeaways? Well, one of my biggest takeaways was like just his high energy and then reaffirming. This is like, this is the big one reaffirming that there are multiple paths to get where you want to succeed. So uh, you can definitely go to college. That's an option. Another one is getting started in something that you're really passionate about and then working your way up and finding your different pathways. So that was like definitely big. Uh, I know as a young person, it's like, uh, you know, how do I get where I want to go? And, and I'm not doing it right. Oh, shoot. I didn't get X, Y, and Z accomplished like my other peers. So it was really cool to hear his perspective on Again, there's different ways to get there. Don't stress yourself out. Uh, was there anything you had to look up after? Um, not this time, not too much, uh, except for I did look into Emerging Prairie and uh, just a little bit. I, I'd love to dive deeper into what they do, but community building seems like such a core value of theirs. And so it was really easy to navigate their website. So I would definitely recommend people like checking that out to get more information. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, was there anything else you wanted, uh, wanted to touch on or any, any big takeaways, Caitlin? Well, I, I did want to ask you is like, uh, what has your experience been with navigating, finding your passion? Like, have you even ha have you ever had that fear of like, oh, my peers are doing this? Should I be doing that? Yeah, yes. Um, I think that's a very like common thing among young people, I would say. And I, I, I definitely like I was actually talking to some um, buddies last night about it that um, I, I am very big in like, enjoying what you do. And um, there's so many people and, and, I, and I'm sure you uh, I'm sure you know, people as well, Caitlin, who just like hate their day job. Um, and, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to really, really like what like, I'm, I'm excited to wake up and go to work every day. Um, so I think like that is important and like finding fulfillment of in, in the different things you do, um, both like activities and for work, but also relationships. That's been a big thing of like, is like a relationship fulfilling me or is it draining me? And if it's draining me, like evaluate that and then like shift, shift your energy to relationships that, that fill your cup and, and same with activities and, and what you do for work. And the, and the advice I was given, and it's from some book, that I won't be able to recall what book it is. But um, so if you think of uh, like, if, uh, if you think of things in like, you know, a Venn diagram, like three circles of like things you love to do, things you're really good at and the things people will pay you to do, um, you should try to find a career that intersects all three of those. So like, what are you good at? What do you love to do? And what will people pay? Uh, what will people pay you to do? Um, so th that's been a really good, I guess, like, guiding metric or like uh, advice as I um, have started my career and, and gotten going. Wow, that is also like, that is great advice. That's uh, definitely a great perspective. I know I'm gonna think about that after. That's really cool. Um, and then I guess like before we close out, uh, my other takeaway was just that Midwesterners are very kind of humble people. And Greg touched on this where uh, Midwesterners don't like to talk about themselves because they fear of, 
the fear of boasting, uh, seeming like they're full of themselves. Uh, but he had a great perspective on how to not think of it as that way, but think of it as sharing about what you do. And that way you can in turn help other people. And so if they know what you've done, then they can relate to you. And then you can see where you go from there. And that was something that I know personally I've struggled with. It's like, I don't want to seem like I'm bragging, but it's from sharing those experiences that you get to make more connections. Yes, absolutely. It's very like Midwestern. It's as Midwestern as the term Ope, you know, like Ope, uh, <laughs> which I catch myself saying all the time. But yes, I absolutely see what you're saying. Um, if there's nothing else, Caitlin, can I go ahead and read us out? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Perfect. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode of the Ecosystem Builder Podcast, which is a product of Mug.News and hosted by myself, Nick Kastner, and my wonderful co-host, Caitlin Clays. Uh, if you have any questions about today's episode, connect with us on Twitter at, at Nick Kastner, at Clays Creates, or at Mug News Official. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with your friends. We release episodes every single Wednesday morning, so make sure to follow so you don't miss a beat. See you next time.